Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Mara, the Daytime Emmys aired last Friday night, and Young and Restless really cleaned up at the show. So they won for Outstanding Drama Series, as well as lead actor for Jason Thompson, who plays Billy, and supporting actor for Brighton James, who plays Devon. Eva LaRue got a trophy for Outstanding Guest Performer as Celeste. She did a short stint there. We saw Bold and Beautiful's Heather Tom tie Erica Slezak for the record of most Emmys won by a woman with her sixth win. This one was for lead actress. And Tamara Braun was named supporting actress for her work as GH's Kim. Olivia Rose Keegan, Daisy's Claire won for Young Performer. And overall, I think it was a really solid list of winners. You know, YNR submitted the episode surrounding Neil's death and his funeral, which was also, you know, in a way, a real life tribute to his portrayer, Christoph St. John, who also passed away. And I feel it really made an impact on the judges. I mean, I remember crying through those episodes, so it's not super surprising that YNR did so well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, those were incredibly powerful hours of television. And I think also, uh, together, you know, they told a story that's easy to digest for judges who may not watch the show on a daily basis, not to mention that it's a story that highlights some of what soaps do best, which is, you know, show the depth and the breadth of families of characters and the community of characters that make up a soap town. GH submitted uh, the Christmas Carol episode as one of its selections, which I thought was, you know, such a fun hour, but I don't know that a time out of time show like that one was can pack the same kind of emotional punch. Right. You know, I think it's probably hard in that respect because there's so many incredible production values that went into that particular episode. So in a way, it's showcasing everything they can do. But then to your point, you know, it might be a little jarring because you're not really sure, you know, what you're watching per se. Right. You know, we spoke to some of the winners for an upcoming piece in the magazine. Uh, I spoke to Bold and Beautiful's executive producer, head writer Bradley Bell, who said his win for Outstanding Writing was, you know, very gratifying after the year they had with the baby Beth story pushing them to, you know, number one in the all-important demos, not to mention that it was a story that dominated the show for the first eight months of 2019. Mm -hmm. You know, this was no one or two episodes of work, you know, when, and here you go. I mean, this was like almost the entire year. Absolutely. And I think it also worked in its favor again, that it's, it's simple to understand if you're not familiar with the show, 
a baby was switched and then the baby came home. Right. Tamara Braun's reel, I think, told like a similarly uh, digestible story. You know, her character's son was sick and then her character's son died. I mean, there have been powerhouse performances this year and in many other years that just aren't as easy to sum up in a reel, you know? And I think that sometimes that can really disadvantage the actor because it takes you uh, out of the performance and assessing the performance if you can't really follow what it is that they're emoting about, you know? Uh-huh. But I had a great conversation with Tamara about her win. Uh, she found out from her mom who called her from another time zone with the good news because she had some girlfriends over to do a social distance celebration in her backyard. And they were like struggling to get the tablet to play the show. And, oh. you know, I think it's fun for the winners that they all have these sort of unique experiences given the virtual nature of this year's telecast that they were like at home and for the most part surrounded by close friends and family rather than castmates this time around. And I think under the circumstances, everyone involved did a great job pulling off the ceremony. But I have to admit that I really did miss seeing the actual moments of realization on the faces of the winners and them getting swarmed by their co-stars and all of that. I mean, that's always just such a fun and heartwarming aspect of a live ceremony. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm hoping that next year the show will once again be televised and, you know, there'll be like an actual old school ceremony where we get to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I did feel there was, you know, a lot of filler, which was only too bad and that the acceptance speeches had to be so short. And I also wish we had gotten a chance to see all the nominees that night. Yeah. You know, I feel in some ways, since they were pre-taping anything, you know, they could have pre-taped a screen of all five of them and have it look live. And, you know, they could have filmed each person reacting like they could have read each person out as the winner. So they had it banked. Mm-hmm. And then just rolled that when the actual winner was announced. Yeah. You know, I really missed seeing that as well. Yeah. On the plus side, um, I really didn't miss the time that is so often spent with like miscellaneous skits and stuff like that. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, you know, me I thought, <laughs> Like you mean everyone goes yeah, to the bathroom? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I thought the throwback clips were fun. I mean, I could watch Susan Lucci's reaction to her Emmy win on a continuous loop for hours. But uh, (laughs) in non-Emmy news, we got word this past week on GH's production plans. The show is eyeing a return to the studio to start shooting new episodes in mid-July. And if all goes according to plan, that means that by mid-July, B&B, GH, and Y&R will all be back up and running again, which is fantastic news, especially in combination with the continued unrolling of New Day's episodes. And they uh, are coming off a big week with, you know, EJ and Lonnie's wedding, and they have got another huge week coming up in storyline. Well, right. So now we're into the second wedding of the four weddings and a funeral theme. And this wedding is Justin and Kayla's. But if you are a fan of Steve and Kayla, you really want to be tuning in because these two... In the moment everyone's been waiting for, we'll finally reunite. And we have all the scoop about that in our new issue. Now our guest today just won his second Emmy. This one is Supporting Actor. It is Brighton James, who plays YNR's Devon. So let's see what he has to say about his big night and how he's been doing lately. Hi, Brighton. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, first of all, our warmest congratulations on your daytime Emmy win for Outstanding Supporting Actor. Oh, thank you very, very much. I appreciate that, guys. So let's start with what the night was like for you, um, starting with hearing your name called and seeing your speech playing on the TV. Uh, Well, it was a, uh, you know, it was a very different experience because it was the first time we were at home. And... um, I had my, uh, you know, that uh, 
Brittany Sarpy and I, we lived together and, and her mother and her grandmother were in town staying with us for that week and through the weekend. So, you know, I had some family there. We had a couple of friends over and, um, it all happened so fast. That's the one thing I remember about it is, is, uh, we turned on the, uh, the East coast feed so we can watch it live. And I, I really didn't have too much time to think about what was happening. And, uh, it was, hmm. a, it was a pretty fun experience. It, it was fun to be in the comfort of, of my own home and to be surrounded by, uh, you know, friends and family and people who usually wouldn't get to be in the, in the audience with you at a venue. Um, but it was cool. It, it, it was, uh, it just happened fast, but it was, it was an, an, an experience I'll never forget. Well, your speech was awesome. Getting to see your reaction, which was filmed for Instagram, made me tear up again. Is awesome. <laughs> what does this, the win? It's not your first Emmy, but it's your first Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor. What does this win mean to you? Uh, it, it means it means a whole lot. It mean I know Christoph used to used to tease me uh, about having the kid Emmy once he got the supporting. <laughs> actor. It took him a while to get it as well. Um, so, you know, it, it means that, that, uh, first my peers and the people that I learn from and look up to and, and respect and admire in this industry, they, uh, especially in the daytime world, they, they appreciate what I'm doing and they think I'm doing a good job. Um, that's, that's first and foremost, what any kind of recognition like this means. Um, and then, you know, a little more than that, of course, uh, this year, especially, is just the fact that it it had so much to do with with losing a good friend, uh, Mr. Christoph St. John, and um, I just you know it means that to me personally it means that I'm, I'm I'm doing my best to make him proud. I think all of us involved with the show this year feel that way. The fact that we that we won best you know best show all those episodes or two episodes that were submitted had to do completely about Christoph's passing and the, losing the character of Neil. And it was just is some of the some of the best work that uh, you know ensemble work that I've ever been a part of, and and I think for all of us collectively, it, it's it's a great representation of of honoring such a great man and talent. It was they were amazing episodes, and just the, the winning the Emmy is sort of like a full circle moment, I would think, with with them. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're sure that, you know, the Emmy was a big highlight of the last few months. But um, <laughs> tell us how just you've been doing in general and how you've been holding up since YNR shut down production because of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I've been doing all right. You know, usually I I, um, I enjoy staying home. I'm, I'm very much homebody. So it really that wasn't too big of an adjustment for me. <laughs> I, I enjoyed having the excuse not to have to go uh I have to go anywhere, but um, I definitely have been have been itching to get back to work. I really don't like not doing something and that involves you know work, uh, making something happen. So I've been missing that, and I've been uh, it's allowed me to focus a little more on on some side projects I have going on. Brittany and I have started a writing project ourselves with a, with a script that uh, involves a a book about racial passing that she has the rights to. Um, my uh, writing partner for a long time now, Daniel Goddard. Um, used to play Kane on, on YNR. He and I have continued making some headway on some of our writing projects and also our new, uh, our new tech venture with a, uh, a new app that we've developed and released. So I've, I've found ways to keep myself uh, busy aside from YNR. I've, I've, kept, uh, I've done some, uh, some voiceover work via recording from home. So yeah, I, I've, I've remained busy as much as I can. 
Well, first tell us about the app. The app, the app is, uh, the app is called Buildboard. It's B-I-L-D-B-O-R-D, and it's available in the uh, in the Google Play Store and Android and the App Store, um, the Apple App Store on uh, iOS. But uh, it's it's a uh, first of all, it's a platform where you can kind of consolidate your whole digital identity. Um, I, we we kind of kept getting tired of people when they would ask, you know, where can we find you, having to give about five different you know usernames of where someone can find me at, and so we. Wanted to first create a profile where you can link, you know, every single one of your social media accounts to it, almost like a digital business card, and then uh, and then tr- try to try to streamline and evolve the way that people um, find like minds. And what you do is you, you you add hashtags to your profile that that represent who you are and what you're looking for, and you simply only match with other people who have hashtags in common with you. So you kind of can customize your filters into what you're looking for and how you find people. And, and uh, we have some really cool new um, features that we're adding to it. We're, we're adding a, uh, an AR feature, an augmented reality feature, where you can be out in, in uh, any public setting, any crowd, or at a, a, you know, a bar, restaurant, club gathering, anything. And, and if, uh, if you're online and discoverable and, and every, other people in the room are also online and discoverable, you can hold the phone up and literally scan around and see people's profiles um, along with their percentage of, of things in common with you. So you can kind of get to know the people around you before ever engaging. And you can also be known to other people around you. So some cool stuff we're adding to it. Yeah, that sounds it. So Brighton, this is your first solo appearance on the podcast. And so we're excited to sort of dive into your career. Now you got your start in the business at a remarkably young age, two years old. (laughs) What are your like very earliest memories of being on a set? (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, uh, I remember, I remember the very first audition, uh, my parents ever took me on and, and, Really, I got into it by chance. I was at, at two, two and a half. I was pretty articulate and, and outgoing and could follow directions well. So a lot of friends of my parents would tell them, yeah, you should just try and, you know, get them into, into something, into commercials or whatnot. And, and so they gave it a shot and, and they took me to my first audition on the wrong day. <laughs> uh, and it was for a Disney Mattel commercial. They got the days mixed up and we got there and no one was there except for one of the producers and they ended up talking to me for about 15 minutes and they canceled the auditions the next day and they gave me the role. And I remember, I mean, I, I remember little snippets in my mind of, of being there and having this conversation or being on set for the, uh, it was for a bathtub Mickey mouse commercial. And, uh, I, I, I do remember parts of that. And on my first day on family matters, I remember my first lines. I said, and, and what'd you say? <laughs> I said, uh, I said, Aunt Harriet, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad Uncle Carl's back. And then she said, Why? I said, Mom, I'm glad Uncle Carl's back. And she goes, Why? And I said, Because Aunt Harriet said he was in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, right, right. No, but I, I, what I, you know, I, what I remember is just always feeling very comfortable. And there was never a day, even that early on, where. I felt scared to be in front of, you know, the lights or the cameras or the, the live audience that we had or, you know, anything like that. It, it was just, it seemed, um, I think my, I mean, I know my parents did, did a lot of, uh, a lot of work with me at home too, just to, 
get me used to following directions and things like that. So it just it came really natural, and and uh, there was not one day that I remember not enjoying myself and not wanting to do it or being too tired to learn lines or, you know, anything like that. I, I truly enjoyed every single, every single second I spent on stage. Fantastic. Okay. Well, you mentioned family matters, which I would say is the project you're probably most associated from for your child actor years. So what stands <laughs> out to you now about the years you spent working on that show? Uh, the thing that stands out the most about working on that show is, is, the, how comfortable it made me um, being on a set. You know, it's it's really something that you can't you can't teach and you can't get that experience unless you have it. And I really attribute you know that to to me being able to I think adapt as quick as I did to the Young and the Restless because you know I when I was on Family Matters I thought for a long time I thought for a few years anyway that, that everybody did it I didn't. I, I didn't know the concept of, you know, being on television and, and uh, I remember asking my parents, you know, how do people they come up to me and recognize me? How do these people know who I am? And I, you know, it's, oh. some, it's really something I thought that everybody did. Um, and I truly didn't know it was to, to, to grow as an actor and get better at it and kind of have a, you know, a little bit of a competitive mentality when it comes to, you know, is evolving the craft of acting. Uh, but when I got on Young and the Restless, that, um, that experience, just that, that familiarity with being in front of a camera and following directions and, you know, knowing, knowing different terminology and of, uh, of, you know, set direction and whatnot is it's that helped a lot because then I was able to just focus on trying to get better and the dialogue and, you know, keeping up with the other actors in the scene uh, than I was of just being comfortable on set. Cause you see a lot of times people who don't have that experience, they, they, that can get in the way. Well, I love that you actually worked with Crystal Khalil, who plays your YNR <laughs> sister, Lily, on Family Matters when you were like yeah. little kids. Do you have actual memories of meeting her back then? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we were all, you know, we all still had to do school. So that week that she was on, we uh, we shared a, a classroom together. And uh, I remember very much, I remember hanging out with her, you know, having our, our downtime together. And she, I mean, we got along great back then. I think I have a couple pictures from from that time. It's, uh, it was just, it was, it was crazy. It seemed like it was meant to be when I ended up getting on YNR and and uh, having her there. I did my screen test with her actually, and uh, that was the first time I I realized that that was the same person. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what else is crazy too? The studio teacher that I had on Family Matters that we all had. Her name was Linda Stone. Um, she was there the entire time from when I was three and a half when I started until the end. And then she ended up being the studio teacher for Young and the Restless when I joined the show. And I had no idea that she was there either. So That's <laughs> crazy. Wild. Yeah. It was wild. Looking back, what would you say are the best and worst things about having your childhood like sort of documented on television the way yours was? <laughs> oh, you know, I don't know if there's any if there's any bad things about it to me. I haven't. Uh, I've kind of enjoyed it. I've been, I've, I've enjoyed uh, being able to see how much I've uh, grown as. I mean, of course, as as a person, but as an actor too. You you kind of it's nice to be able to go back and see the things you used to do and how you used to do them and 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 learn from it. But it's always just been so much a part of my life that that. 
it's uh, it's kind of the normal. It's it's the norm for me. So I I wouldn't know any other way. So it's hard for me to pick any negatives about it. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> yeah. Totally good. Totally good. Um, having started so young, like as you got older, was there ever a point where you questioned the arts as a career path or felt the urge to do something, you know, totally different? I definitely thought about it. I definitely thought about it just because of having, you know, a, a type of a backup plan, but it's, it's as something I've really wanted to do, or, or, or it's, it's always been that it's, it's always, um, I've never questioned how much fun I've had, how much fun I do have, um, just being in, in the entertainment industry altogether. I, I, you know, I used to do music as well. Music was a huge part of my life because my dad was a musician and, uh, it was, it was very much in our home growing up. So, when I, while I was on Family Matters, I uh, I was asked to um, speak on behalf of a lot of different charity organizations. Um, be the youth youth spokesperson. I even founded my own in the uh, in the mid '90s, and um, it would allow me to to uh, kind of go down that music path. And, and all the events I'd go to, I'd always want to be a part of the entertainment. So I would perform. I would sing and dance, and I'd perform songs that my dad had written or do covers and. Um, and then after Family Matters, I kind of uh, pursued that a little more. And I, I got signed to Universal over in Germany and we lived over there for a while. So I got to have a little taste of that, too. And I, I, so, I mean, if it wasn't music, it was acting. If it wasn't acting, it'd be music. It's always just two things that I, I've truly enjoyed. And now getting into writing and, and having the ability to, to create your own content and, and not be at the mercy of what someone else writes and is putting out into the world, I'm, I'm finding a new, you know, a new joy in that as well. But back to your original question, I, I don't think I've ever tr- questioned um, that this is the arena that I want to work in. Well, to that end, you were hired as Devon on Young and the Restless back in 2004. Tell yeah. us your casting story. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny one. I had uh, that day, my first audition uh, day, I, I had two auditions. I had one for a Coca-Cola, national Coca-Cola commercial, and one for a soap opera. And I really wanted the, the, the commercial. And I really <laughs> didn't think I had a chance at the soap opera because all I knew about soaps were my mom, growing up my whole life, my mom would watch General Hospital the same time every day. And I'd always, you know, I'd pay attention here and there. But I just always hear about these, you know, crazy storylines going on, these very adult storylines happening. So when I got the audition for YNR, I didn't really understand what, you know, at 17, what am I going to, you know, what, what is this going to be for me? But I, I, I remember going into the room and I read with the casting director at the time. Her name is Marnie Saida. And she stopped me um, in the middle of the scene before we finished and said, uh, finally, someone who reads this role the way it's supposed to be read. And that gave me a, a ton of confidence. And I, I, I went back a couple of days later for callback for the producers. It was uh, Ed Scott and Kathy Foster and the head writer, Jack Smith, at the time. I remember getting there and Marnie uh, seeing that I hadn't, I, the, the, the little facial hair that I could muster that was on my face. They wanted me to shave it, but they told my, I guess they told my agent to ask me to shave it, but they didn't relay that message to me. So I showed up and it was still on my face. And she goes, why didn't you shave? And so I thought I, I was at a disadvantage already going into the callback, but the callback went well. And then uh, a couple of days after that, they had me come in for a screen test. And for the screen test, they sent me all new material. They sent me probably four or five scenes of just me and one other person and just paragraphs and paragraphs of dialogue. So I remember being a little, little, little nervous about 
retaining that much dialogue because I hadn't I hadn't been used to memo I, I hadn't memorized anything for a long time because I hadn't Family Matters was you know years ago at that point. But I I went on this screen test and I had my screen test with Crystal, and uh, it was just me me and two other guys um, that was up for the role and. Once I got to, to the set for the first time and, again, learned that, you know, Crystal was the one I'd be reading with and Linda, my old studio teacher, was, was there as well and a part of the show already, it just it gave me a very, very comfortable feeling. Um, and when I stepped on the set, it felt like I was, I was back home. And I hadn't been on a set since Family Matters. Um, and that's what, that, you know, that, those years of, of familiarity kicked in. And uh, the, the screen test went, uh, went well. <laughs> <laughs> when you were offered the job, did you have any reservations about joining a soap? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I the, once I knew that they that they valued me and 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 thought that I would you know be, be a great fit for this role, I immediately just wanted to to get better every day and do do the best I could to to. Um, you know, to add to the show. And I, I mean, I didn't know anything about The Young and the Restless also. I didn't know the legacy that it had. I didn't know the what I was really getting myself into until I got the part. But once I did, no, I was I was very confident and um, and eager to, to get going. Now, Devon was adopted into the iconic Winters family, giving you some pretty impressive on-screen parents in Victoria Rowell and Christoph St. John. Yeah. What do you remember about meeting them? Was it intimidating? Like, what was the vibe? <laughs> No, you, you know what? The, my, I tell you, the, talk about intimidating. The first scene, uh, the first scenes, my first episode on the show was just me and, uh, and Eric Braden. I'll talk to tell the story real quick. <laughs> and uh, um, I knew nothing about it. I remember Marnie, um, the casting director, walking me on the set and saying, you know, so do you know who Eric Braden is? Do you know the role of Victor Newman? And I said, no, I don't. She said, okay, well, just, just uh, act like you do. And, uh, you know, show them, show them respect and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, I remember being a little intimidating, just, just how prepared and yet off the cuff he was with, uh, when it comes to running lines and then going to take. But after that day, I really, nobody was, was intimidating and, and Victoria Rowell and Christoph, they couldn't have been more gracious and warm, um, with, with meeting me and, and, and sharing scenes with me for the first, for the first time. I just, the things that stand out, I, I remember, you know, Christoph just bringing so much levity and, and fun um, and, and, and kind of goofiness along with being professional, of course, he was extreme professional, but just that levity he brought to, to each day really allowed me to stay comfortable and stay confident um, and getting better, you know, with, with having such strong material and, and important material, you know, right away. Um, and then with, with Victoria Rao, you know, she was a tremendous help because the whole foster care storyline was, was, was her, was her baby. You know, she brought that storyline to the show and all, just about all the, all the, the predicaments that they'd have Devon um, be in, those were things that happened in her real life. Um, and, and she would on a daily basis be, you know, sharing stories with me about, you know, the things that happened to her during her first 18 years of her life in foster care and how it affected her and how it made her feel and, how she moved forward and how I would be able to, um, you know, relate that to Devon and what he was going through. So they were, they were, they were just, you know, tremendous helps, great support system. 
Well, Crystal became not only your on-screen sister when Devon was adopted into the Winters family, but your very close friend in real life. And you are, in fact, the godfather to her son. You know, tell us about how your bond uh, developed over the years once you reconnected at YNR. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's 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 hard not to become family uh, when you're on a soap opera, especially when you're on it for as long as as some of us have been. And she's just such she's such a great and loving, warm person that it was easy to to get along with her and and become that close. And we just went through very very important times in our lives together. You know, uh, um, she you know getting her getting married at, at a young age, having having her son. You know, we just I was right there. Same with me. I got married at a young age too, and went through a separation and and. Um, just these these very important times in our in our life, and you share it with someone that you see every day and you work with every day, and you're you're constantly you know together running lines with and hanging out uh, you know off 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 set too. It just you know that natural bond kind of just develops, and we have very similar personalities. We have the same taste in music, which which uh, helps a lot because we love to dance. <laughs> and uh, nah, she's just been she's 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 always um, had my back. And I've always had hers and, and will always have hers as well. Closest thing I have to a, to a sister. That's awesome. Yeah. Now for a time, another soap legend, Debbie Morgan, came aboard the show to play Devon's mother, Harmony. So yeah. what was working with Debbie like? Oh, man. It's just, you know, one after another, you get to work with, with, with legends. Um, and she was just another one, another another extreme professional, someone that, that I learned an incredible amount from not only would she be as prepared as anyone um, and just commit fully to, to the material, but she has just a, a kindness and warmness to her that comes across on screen. That, that is, you know, that's who she is in real life. She was just such an easy person to talk to and to, to, to feel love from. Um, and she was supportive of me, you know, I mean, these people, these, these, these grown, you know, icons in, in this genre, who are having to share, you know, these big storylines with, with, you know, a kid um, who's pretty new to it. They, they just, they were so gracious and they were so, um, they just lay They always let me know and made me feel when they were proud um, of, of, you know, my elevation or my coming up or, you know, my evolution. And, and that just, it meant the world. Well, a big twist for uh, Devon's life came when he found out that he was the biological son of Tucker McCall, who was played by Stephen Nichols, uh, now on Days as Steve, another big name in the soap world. Tell us about working with Stephen. He was, uh, he was incredible. I, uh, I, again, (laughs) it's just, these, they, they, he was just another, another teacher. I remember one, (laughs) one day where I, I, probably the only time I ever kind of kind of really messed up and it was had to do with scheduling because I, I wasn't aware on my because of my own fault that I had a scene left in the day and uh, I ended up long story short I, I ended up having to, to make him and, and production kind of wait um, to the end of the day to get something done and I was so so crushed because I knew I was disappointing people but I knew that just it's just incredibly unprofessional and especially it was a scene with just me and Steven and um, uh, he just, you know, he, 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 he couldn't have been more, more kind and more uh, understanding. And, and um, again, he, he, it's just, 
I've been so lucky. I've been so lucky because everybody you're naming off, you know, they they have the, the they had the same they had the same vibe and same demeanor when it came to to working with me, and it was all about about um, making me feel like like I was I was on their level, and making me feel like like we were equals. And he 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 did the absolute same. Um, I miss working with him. I miss working with him and and Debbie a lot. Yeah, that was some great dynamics for Devon for sure. Now another legend that we have to mention is Gene Cooper, yeah. um, who played. <laughs> Devon's grandmother, Catherine Chancellor. So what are your favorite memories of Jean? Favorite memories of, of uh, Jeannie Cooper were her, were her jokes. She, her, her sense of humor on set was, uh, was unmatched. Maybe, maybe now uh, you'll hear, I'm sure, people name Christian LeBlanc or Josh Morrow as the, as the, the funny ones on set. And Christoph, too, for sure, in his time. But Jeannie was right there with them. She... Probably, probably pinching my butt every couple, a couple times were really, really some fun <laughs> memories of her. But no, she was, she was just, she was gracious to, 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 to everyone, everyone, cast, crew. Um, she truly, truly um, loved the show and appreciated the fans of the show. I really learned that from her a lot. I mean, not that I, you need to, of course, the fans are the reason why we do it, but she just, she kind of instilled this, this responsibility we have to, to the fans. Um, and the work that we do that I think we all, we all carry. Um, and her door was always open. She was, she was there to, to talk and, and be a friend to just about anyone. There's a plaque actually that's on her dressing room door that says just that the door was always open. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's move on to, uh, another lovely lady that you worked with now, like Devon had done, mm-hmm. you know, his fair share of dating, but was never in a pairing that really, exploded until Michelle Morgan yeah. came along as Hillary. Uh, what do you yeah. think it was about your chemistry with her or just the storyline in general that produced so much excitement and like a whole lot of, uh, Vaughn fans? <laughs> um, I, I definitely think it was a mixture of both of both the writing and our natural chemistry. Um, it was at a time in, in our lives when she came on the show um, where she was, she had just come to, to the U S, um, on her own at the time, her husband was, was, was still back in Toronto. And, and so she was new and, you know, looking for friends and, and a way to get to know the city. And, and I had just moved up to Los Angeles from living in Orange County most of my life. And, um, you know, after, after every day of work, she lived just right across the street from, from the set. So we would always go to get, you know, dinner, drinks, or just hang out after, run lines, go over, you know, the next, the next few episodes. And, and we, we found that we just have very, very similar personalities and, and same, you know, same sense of humor and we just got along well. I don't know. Things just, just really clicked. And, um, she's, I think how they, how, how the show did such a great job at writing a character that, that was truly, unpredictable and and exciting and kind of you know cutthroat but at the same time you you always knew i mean believed that she had a very genuine and sincere good heart um and you know that that that's to to michelle's you know talent she's she's an incredibly talented actress who who is able to and that's her that's her soul her spirit that comes across and she's able to really bring that um to, uh, to any character she plays, but especially to Hillary. 
and she just did a great job at, at, at being feisty and lovable, and um, uh, which is which is her <laughs> to a T. <tea. laughs> Now that love story came to a very tragic end when Devon and Hillary finally remarry, but on her deathbed. So what do you remember about that day of filming? And can Mara get a belated apology for how much you made her song? (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm very, very sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because that's what what I was trying to do. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) no, I mean, from that day on that day, what I remember the most is in between, uh, in between scenes and uh, from rehearsal to takes, um, we would hug each other, uh, just because we, we knew that this was the last day we'd be working together on the show on the last days for Hillary and Devon. Um, and so we, we literally would just embrace and hug and they'd give us a second and we'd feel that feeling of this, of finality. And it really just, it made it pretty pretty easy you know for for the emotions to to come well after michelle left the show your life changed on screen and off when uh yr hired britney sarpy to be devon's (laughs) new love interest elena uh so you live together now that's a big deal do you remember (laughs) you know your first meeting and your first impressions of her i do i do very well it was uh gosh it was only a couple days uh, after we after we had lost Kristoff. So it was it was it was kind of tough to to get back into the swing of things and, and start this you know, journey of, of this new storyline they were about to to create for me. Um, so I, I was uh, asked to come in to help with with screen testing, with reading with with the uh, with the girls that they had to play the character of Elena. And I was in the parking lot, um, and I remember she drove up looking for the spot that they gave her to park in, and that's the first time we we met. She, I don't think she knew. Um, that she was reading with me that day, but she she pulled up and rolled down the window and asked where the spot was, and and I uh, I saw her and and uh, fell in love right away and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> showed her where the spot was, and then we got inside and and uh, got to meet everyone, and we all you know we ran lines together, and she was the first one actually that went in the room uh, to to audition, and um, just just right away, just just the kind of the kind of um, person she was and the confidence that she that she carried and just the the, the warmness in her her heart it was it was um it was glaring so you know as we continued to as she got the part obviously and we, we continued to get to know each other i think we both just kind of became undeniable <laughs> mm-hmm. well did you have any concerns about getting involved and how do you like working with your significant other <laughs> Um, you know, I did until I didn't, I did until I, that all went out the window. I remember, <laughs> remember, uh, <laughs> remember Christoph giving me that advice uh, a long time ago. Um, probably not, not to do that, but, um, it, it's, it's really been, it's been great. It's, it's, we both have the same work ethic. We both love to be overprepared. So to have someone that shares that kind of passion for what we're doing, um, is, is a, is a, you know, it's a great thing. It's, we, we get to, to run lines constantly and, um, it's, it, it makes for, you know, I mean, our story is us being together, our story on screen. So it makes that, you know, it's, it's, it's not really, uh, not really acting at the end of the day sometimes, but it's been great. It really has. I, I'm really, I couldn't, I'm, I feel extremely, extremely, uh, 
blessed to, to have my life changed in the way it has over the last year. Well, Devon and Elena's love story has really been well received by, by fans. Were you nervous about whether the fans of Devon and Hillary's pairing would be able to accept Devon with a new woman? You know what? Not, not really. I knew, I knew that there would always be, there always be the fans that, that, you know, wish they could have seen that love story play out with, with Hillary and Devon, especially knowing that there was a child on the way and what could have been and all that. But I also have always had extreme confidence in, in the show and the writers, um, to, to, you know, get, get people to champion, you know, what, what the characters go through and, and, They've, they've done an exceptional job, I think, with Elena's character, um, you know, Brittany's portrayal of her being, you know, as, as, as likable and, and lovable and as talented as she is. She, she's, you know, made it easy for the fans as well um, to get on board. And I think because Devon has been through so much, uh, it's kind of, you kind of, regardless of how you feel of what you wanted to see with him and Hillary, you just want him to be happy. You know, you want him right. to find some kind of peace. Uh enduring what he has over this year, especially with losing not just Hillary, but, but his father. So I, I was, I was pretty confident that eventually people would, would get on board. Mm-hmm. And they certainly did. <laughs> yep. Now, another story you've played over the past year was uh, the drama with Catherine's will. So when that was all going down and Catherine's will was being contested, there was like a huge reaction from the audience of outrage over Devon being stripped of his billions. So <laughs> did it surprise you to see, you know, how much it meant to fans that that was part of Devon's, you know, make uh, DNA and makeup? <laughs> not really, not really, because it was such a big deal, not, uh, you know, to the fans, especially when they, when they made the decision to, to have Devon be related to Catherine in the first place, you know, um, that, that's a very, it's, it's what that represents, I think, for a character like Devon to really come from, from, from ground zero, from nothing, um, and, and, and being able to, to represent that kind of legacy, um, not just by blood, but, but you know, with financially, and, and what he represent what Devon represents to the, to the show and the Winters family, being able to establish the Winter, the Hamilton Winters Foundation with Neil because of that, you know, because of that money, because of that inheritance, um, the ability to, to have a, a character like Devon give back and represent, you know, um, doing good in the community, in the world with, with what he has. Um, I, I knew it was always important to the fans, so it didn't surprise me when, when they got riled up about, you know, it being taken away. But I thought it was it was an exciting story because, you know, that's it's drama. That's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to get people riled up and... and you know, let the fans make the fans speak up about what they want to see, and and I think they did a good job at it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Are you glad he got the money back? Of course, I'm glad. So was I. It's like, come on now, it's Devon's money. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There's so much story. There's so much more story that you can you can tell from Devon's already had nothing. We've already been there. Right, so, right. Yeah, let's let's exhaust him having everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, as viewers know, Michelle is now back on the show playing a Hillary lookalike named Amanda, and there is no indication really that there's romance between, you know, Devon and Amanda coming up. Yep. But would you be interested in exploring a potential connection between the two of them? Uh, I, I mean, 
<laughs> again, it is a soap opera. So of course, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I've obviously, I'd be open to, to, to just about, you know, anything that, that the writers wanted to throw at us. I think it's, they've, they've done a very good job at, at, at having the character, you know, not just, not just throwing the character back into, to a, a relationship storyline with myself, um, and, and kind of, you know, spreading that character uh, throughout the canvas and, and, and seeing, you know, what other relationships stem from it. I know her and even her and um, Nate, um, Jason. Yeah. Her and Nate, her and, her and, um, Oh yeah. 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 Jason Thompson. Yeah. Jason Thompson. Nate, there, I yeah. think there's, yeah, there's potential for, for a lot there. Um, but, um, but yeah, if it would ever happen in the future down the line, of course I'd be open to it, but I think there, there's a lot to, to, to be explored with, uh, with Devon and Elena and, and, and also being that, uh, being, being a couple where, you know, there's not too many couples where 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 a third party doesn't get involved, and there mm-hmm. it's not about you know deception and cheating or you know split between two loves. There's, I think you know the only one that comes to mind right now is is Michael and Lauren, and even they have experienced it you know in their in their later years of being together. But for a while, they were just you know solid. So I think I'd like to be that solid couple for a while until they start trying to pull us apart. Everyone needs a honeymoon period. <laughs> This is true. Word on the street is that YNR is eyeing a return to production in the very near future. You said before you were pretty eager to get back to work. Like, what are you most excited for when you get that first script and you walk back into the studio? <laughs> to see everyone. Uh, that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm the most excited about. We had a couple of Zoom calls uh, with, with a, uh, half the cast around Emmy time and uh, – it was just to see their faces. I mean, these for 16 years now, there that's that's my family, and you don't you don't realize how much you miss them until you don't get to see them. So definitely to see everybody, cast and crew, um, but really just to get back to work. I, I love working. I love uh, having new things to memorize, having new scenes to work on, and, and, and you know, uh, new challenges. So uh, the, the entire experience, I'm looking forward to. Now, you had a whole lot of fans pulling for you on Emmy night. So before we let you go, we'd love to give you the floor if there's anything you'd like to say to the YNR fans who have been such champions of yours throughout your career on the show. I would, I would love to say to the fans that I do what I do for you guys, and I definitely would not be where I'm at. I wouldn't get to have experiences like I did on Friday night you know, for the Emmys without you the fans and without your love and support and that is and that's the same across the board because i always i hear i hear them all i hear the Havan fans of the past thinking that i that i don't have the same love for this as, as i do for the Levon fans and that's not true <laughs> it's not true at all i truly truly love and appreciate every single one of you and um it, it, it's 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 an honor to um to be a part of, of the legacy that's the young and the restless and to, to do my best every day to, to um, play the part as best I can for you guys. Well, that is perfect. I'm sure they will appreciate that. <laughs> and again, our really our warmest congratulations. Yeah. Um, we're so excited for you. Thank now you. you have bookends. <laughs> I do. Thank you guys so much. I do appreciate it. And now it. you can go for the uh, you can go for the cycle. You can go for lead actor next. Exactly. I can. 
I can. I, I can give that a shot. I think I, it might take me a few years to grow up a little bit, but I, I'll, I'll get there. Scott Clifton, I'm coming for you. <laughs> That's right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today, and Thanks. we hope to see you back at work soon. Thank you guys for having me, as always. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Mike. You too. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Brighton James for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.